0: Welcome to Vision Chat, a podcast about spiritual topics with your hostesses, Virginia and Stina. Hello and welcome back. Today, Virginia and I are going to interview the approachable healer, Jenny. Jenny is from Chicago. She is a cool and wise woman who owns her own business as the approachable healer. And she is also a top. sorry trauma therapists um welcome Jenny if mm-hmm. you feel like it you can talk a little bit about yourself and who you are
1: sure yeah like uh like it was described uh I don't know about cool but I'm definitely um, a trauma therapist uh and lots of training in that um I'm a intuitive healer I have always been very in touch with um, spirituality and beliefs and grew up in an environment that really encouraged that. Um, I'm also a mom, a what my friends and I, who also have similar situations, like to call a medical mom. One of my children has medical complexities, so it just kind of adds a different perspective on life. Um, Soon to be foster mom. Uh, I love to laugh. There's, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on in my life, but I kind of like it that way.
2: <laughs> nice. It sounds like you have a lot going on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mostly, <laughs> mostly good stuff.
2: That's all yeah. good stuff. <laughs> um. Well, what would you, like, label, what label would you be comfortable using, like, in terms of, like, spirituality? So, some people go by, like, empaths or, like, mediums, healers. Does anything fit for you?
1: I think that I'm constantly changing that. Like, as of now, I'm comfortable with healer, intuitive coach, um, with some mediumship components. Um, I don't want to advertise myself just full on as a medium. I think there's a lot of expectations that go along with those labels that I don't follow along with. Um, I definitely work with people's guides and um, ancestors that have passed to help create a session that is um healing for them and it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to make a direct connection to uncle tom and then he's going to tell us like about where the money is buried like i I don't do stuff like that everything's really under the lens of like healing trauma specifically but using spirituality so i'll use the mediumship capabilities to honor that intention of like what needs to be healed for the person in front of me? And how can messages from beyond help facilitate that? So I think when people think of mediums, they think of what you see on TV and and I'm not that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I see. So how did you um, start getting into like uh, spirituality or energy
1: work? Like I said, I grew up in a home where this was more encouraged i guess or just um accepted is probably a better word my mom's side of the family in particular were very into reiki energy healing going to psychic fairs on the weekend like all of these things were just normal so when i would tag along on some of these events i'd get introduced to a lot of different ways of healing and looking at things from different perspectives that i felt were very healthy for me as a kid um and connected to really naturally. So when I started having my own experiences that were hard to explain experiences, I didn't, I wasn't scared of them. They were just normalized. I do want to say though, that there was also a lot of like what happens a lot in these communities, a lot of spiritual bypassing though. So that is definitely something I'm constantly psychoeducating both private practice clients on and also my spiritual clients on is just being cautious of that that there needs to be a balance that sometimes we just need to sit with our hard feelings and it can't just go straight to something positive or you can't yoga your way through life i don't know how else to put it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i totally Um, agree (laughs) can you
2: speak more on that that's the spiritual bypass i think there's you know there's that's something that could be useful for people to understand like what is what does that mean like what do you mean by that
1: i think it's coming from it from a trauma expert lens um and knowing how important it is to sit with the pain that often manifest in our body after traumatic things happen, Um, it's so important to be able to notice how well you can sit with that, even though it feels unbearable. It's empowering. And to take that step away from somebody by just saying like, well, I mean, it's in your chart that you're going to be better. So just know you're going to be better. And this will just go away. Like that's not offering somebody healing it's it's a band-aid it's a okay well it's gonna get better so i'll just like ride this out without being present with it and maybe i'll even numb it out with more spirituality like i'm gonna go to this retreat then that retreat and you're just basically running from the symptoms so that's what i mean by spiritual bypassing specifically like human things like hurt feelings breakups loss grief trauma car accidents like we need to, like, learn that we have capacity to process some of these harder things in life rather than go quickly to spend a ton of money on a Band-Aid that is not actually helping you sit with these very human realities.
2: It sounds like some of the things that you're talking about, you know, are, like, a way of avoiding yeah. a problem. So it's like, well, if I just go and, like, not to knock yoga, yoga's great, but, like... You know, I'm going to go do some yoga and I'm going to do some, you know, spiritual healing and then I'm good, but not actually addressing the pain or not actually processing situations that are painful and difficult.
1: Or getting the wisdom from the trauma. There's so much wisdom there. And yeah, like I think it's good as a somatic therapist, I think it's good when people have those things that they can go to, like breath work or yoga, as a way to calm the nervous system so we can then do the deeper work and sit with the bigger emotions in a very intentional, purposeful way. And sometimes in my spiritual counseling sessions, we pull in that awareness that they've had like a week of meditation or like that their nervous system is ready. And then we use that time that hour and a half to really just like go deeper because we know that their nervous system can handle it.
2: That's so it's a combination of using the breath work, the yoga or the spirituality with processing and talking about situations and gaining yeah. knowledge.
1: And also about to answer your question in, in in a different way, the spiritual bypassing question, there's a lot of wellness communities that for lack of better description, really kind of um, attract personality types like narcissists or people who might be like considered borderline because it's a way for them. I mean, these, I'm talking about the leaders of some of these communities that you just need to be really careful. If you're coming in looking for healing, and you're feeling like there's a little bit too much spiritual bypassing going on or too much obligation, like somebody saying you have to do it this way, this way, or this way, and it just doesn't sit right with you. To follow that gut instinct, you don't need to necessarily label a wellness community as good or bad, just know what it's not maybe the right one for you and that you have full permission and this spiritual quest towards healing to heal in your own way, that's best for you. And nobody has the right to say that you're wrong and that you need to do it their way.
2: Yeah. So speaking of that, that, that's a nice segue into like, well, what advice would you give someone who's new to spirituality? And, you know, are there things that you have experienced on your journey that you wish you would have done differently or known about that you could maybe impart your wisdom on on all of us?
1: Yeah, I would say stay in your autonomy at all times don't let others influence your own process it's different for everyone um and like i said this line of work does attract like unhealed trauma to some degree because it feels so good to you know um i don't know how else to put this like when you're like for me when i'm channeling when i'm meditating I'm really not here. Like my life, my problems just go away because I'm here of service for somebody else's healing purposes. I could get addicted to that. And that could be really unhealthy for me. If I was being mentored by the wrong kind of person for me, they could encourage me to stay there, right? And then I'm not really sitting and processing my own life because I'm just constantly in this like realm of service and spirituality and connection to something that's not on earth there's no balance with that. I'm just kind of like high all the time. So I think my advice to somebody new at this is just to kind of like pay attention to why they're seeking this type of healing in the first place, what they hope to get out of it. And if anything they're encountering doesn't align with that, it's okay to go. Um, A lot of this comes from like a recent experience where I went into a wellness community purely out of curiosity around psychedelic assisted therapy. And wanted to try ayahuasca wanted to try psilocybin like wanted to see what all that before because so many clients were coming into both my practices both professional clinical and spiritual processing and integrating psychedelic experiences so i just really wanted to feel this firsthand so i entered this seemingly okay wellness community and realized when I was kind of in too deep, like, whoa, like this feels really unhealthy, not aligned with me at all. And I'm under the influence now on top of that. So now I'm under plant medicine influence and this not very well leader, two leaders to be specific. And then like when I was forced to kind of take a break because I ended up in the hospital because it was just too much on my system, what, what they were encouraging me to do. Um, I, there's no strong connection to that. This was the direct cause, but there's a suspicion amongst my doctors and myself that like, I was fine until this point and all these problems happened physically. I took a break and I had enough distance from them. And I noticed like there was a lack of concern for my health. It was straight to like the plant medicine didn't do this. It was straight to this like panicked response. When I did hear from them, when I was in the hospital, it felt like they were already feeling guilty. It just felt odd. And so I had all these like moments of just like waking up. And then as a professional, I'm like, wow, like I felt the red flags along the way, but I put blinders on just because I wanted the experience. Like I was blinded by this need to like know what this whole thing, it feels like. And then when I had a break, I realized like I'm being manipulated, like, and because I'm under the influence often enough, it's easy to do that. And it was really scary. So I have since then sought a professional who's a somatic therapist in the spiritual community, um, does her own spiritual counseling, but also does a lot of counseling around spiritual abuse because they also had a similar story where one day they realized like, I'm in a really toxic Wellness community. I don't feel like this is my choice. I do feel obligated to stay. I don't think I have a choice to do things the way I want to do them. It has to be their way. This is unhealthy. I need to get out. And so they created this whole practice around like helping people kind of wake up and and leave and realize like I'm okay without them. Like I don't need their guidance because it's not for me.
0: I think that is so strong of you as well to kind of take the break and like take a step back and look, oh, is this for me or not? Because I think a lot of people maybe end up in communities and they feel trapped or they feel like, oh, but this is the only answer If when it comes to if it's spiritual, if it's like religious, no matter what it is, that they feel like they're connected or in the community. So they belong somewhere. Yeah. But yeah. Thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly, I think, the type of person that accidentally gets sucked up into these where it's probably not in their best interest. They're replaying their own trauma, which is originally they didn't have a choice and they just kind of dealt with whatever, even if it was negative, because it was a community at least. Yeah. And I just feel bad. It's sad.
2: I could also see, like, you know, if people are learning about... things and wanting direction and guidance, you know, you're vulnerable. So you're looking for community, you're looking for guidance, you're looking for somebody to, to tell you, well, hey, I, you know, if you're looking for answers, I can help you find them. I mean, that's a strong pull for someone that's like needing guidance. And so like, there's vulnerability, but there's also that trust. Yeah. And hopefully you find someone that's good because if they're ill intentioned or they're not well themselves, then that opens the doors to all kinds of things happening and going wrong.
1: Yeah. yeah I could see yeah. that too. Yeah. What helped me and I would love just to spread the word, like what helped me the most was going back to old healthy mentors that I've worked with. And I approached like four of them people I've trained under, and then in addition to that, got referrals to people I've never worked with, but like have done similar, like I was in what's called a MESA program, but then I found out this is not a MESA program in Peruvian traditional kind of like, like how people who are true shamans actually run these programs. This is not aligned with that. So, I was sold a false product and I was in what I thought was a MESA program. So not only did I seek former mentors that helped validate, like this doesn't seem right. They referred me out to other professionals they knew of. And I trusted the referral to talk to more people who actually do these MESA programs in the States and are careful not to like, um, basically colonize them or, you know, um, What's the word? I can't think right now, but just like to honor the tradition and then also recognize like, but I'm not of that tradition. And so this is our way of doing it, but to still stay under the umbrella of like, this is the intention. So that's a very long winded way of saying like every single person I talked to was like, are you in your heart space? And I'm like, absolutely not. I'm very closed up. I'm very scared because I feel obligated. I feel like they're using fear tactics. They keep telling me if I leave that I'll stay stuck spiritually and that I'm damned. Wow. And I, and then I have a few people ask me, like, do you believe in that? I'm like, no, I don't believe in that. I think we have a choice every step of the way in whatever journey we're on in this world. And that doesn't align with my beliefs. And then they're just like, there's your answer. You're just like, you're not aligned with them. Like, you don't have to say what they're doing is bad or good. It's just not good for you. So if you're not in your heart space, if you're not open, then there's something off.
0: And then we
2: have to trust ourselves to act on that.
1: Yeah. You talked a little bit about
0: it, but is there anything um, looking back that you want to do differently after you started the journey or...
1: I think in general, follow my first gut instinct was for some reason, I just did not want to sit with medicine with this group. My intuition was strong as a no, but they had amazing website and credential and connections. They're affiliated with maps, right? So like, oh, they must be okay then that's a big, that's the big organization for psychedelic assisted therapy. So what I realized in hindsight that money pays a lot, like a good website can do a lot of harm. You look good. People trust you from the visual component. They don't know what they're looking for, but this looks good and you have all these people you're affiliated with. N- nothing bad could happen, right? Like there's an immediate trust, which is so dangerous. So In hindsight, I think from the get-go, I wish I would have listened to my intuitive no. No matter how much cognitively and logically it made sense to go for it, because on paper it looked great, there was something off about it. So There's that, and then also we were told from the beginning when we entered this, and when I say we, there's a tribe of us, many of us have already left, because it it just became so apparent like this is just not good. But we were told, I think there was like 25 of us in the beginning, we were told not to read about MESA programs. That was like a big red flag for me. Like, don't educate myself on this very thing that I'm doing a year long training under. Like, and I just didn't question it because I was just sucked into the whole like, well, I wanna stay in community and this feels good. I have a tribe now and I have leaders and Mm -hmm. we're drinking medicine and this is amazing. And I, I shouldn't question it, but then Oh no, like that's, I'm sorry to be blunt, but that's like cult-like behavior when you tell people not to educate themselves and question, right? So those are two things, follow my instinct and I should have read a little bit more and known what an actual MESA program looked like. So when it started to not look like that, I had the validation I needed to go.
0: Yeah, for um, the people that doesn't know what a Mason program is, can you talk a little bit
1: about that or... I'm still learning because what oh, I was okay. is so false. But it's basically a process where you, you know, use mountain medicine in Peruvian terms. But there's different Mesa-type programs because there's also what I understand now more of, like, um, things called medicine wheels or earth wheels. Like, everybody has, like, every tribe, every shaman, every kind of community has a different name for it. But it's basically your in in the Mesa programs that I'm learning more about, you have like a cloth you have ceremonies you have rocks you collect that have a meaning to it that might for some mesa programs have like a trauma narrative to this particular rock that you turn to medicine so it's kind of like the wisdom and trauma or like let's say this rock represents this particular traumatic event in my life and you do enough ceremony around it and you call in different types of healing components and you do enough journeying meditative journeying um that the rock that represents that trauma now turns into your medicine that you can help facilitate towards others. So I'm um, a long story short if I had a full mesa done and did this whole process for myself, I now have these medicinal rocks that represent like their narrative is coming from originally a traumatic story and now they're medicine. So when I have a client come in who wants this kind of healing, they pick a rock and then I know instinctively, like they're gravitating towards that rock because whatever they're looking to heal is similar to that trauma that I healed. And so this is medicinal and we'll use this to help heal. And it guides me to know like what they need to focus most on.
0: Yeah, that is so cool and interesting. Mm
1: -hmm. But I might've botched that definition. So I apologize because I'm (laughs) learning because what I was introduced to is very westernized. They pulled in a lot of Jungian stuff. They were having us shout our traumas at each other. It was very like trauma-inducing to be completely blunt and not anything what traditional Mesa programs would want. They want you to feel in control, healing, and supported every step of the way. Not, yeah, what I experienced.
2: Well, does this, discourage you from wanting to explore that further to join another community or are you a little shell-shocked right now or like how are you feeling about that whole thing
1: it did at first discourage me i another person who left with me we were like do we throw our maces in the ocean like we want nothing to do with this we were just so angry and now i'm like in a different place where i've had enough distance i've had enough conversations and i've seen enough people leave on their own. Because I went out with a bang. Like I called them out on a Zoom call that they were recording, that they recorded every Zoom call and then conveniently lost that recording after I called them out. So like the people who weren't able to make that call didn't get to see me questioning them. Um, So I did go out with a bit of a bang. Um, Others left more gracefully and peacefully. I don't regret the way I did it. I probably, I think was the first to go and I was really angry um, and that showed. But uh, so I think I needed more of a moment to just kind of settle in. Now I'm more, now that there's enough distance and enough has been energetically out, the anger really did help me get to a place of like, now I wanna do it right. Now I'm like encouraged to not only find it healthier community so i know the reparative work is is happening in in my somatic system but then also like i can educate others like i hope to now attract people who have been through similar situations and i truly know what it's like so they feel that energetically when they come into session with me where i'm just like yeah like it can be really unhealthy out there and i'm glad you found me and we're going to work through this
2: well you're uniquely qualified (laughs) yeah yeah. Shifting gears a little bit, um, are there, you know, in like your spiritual journey and after everything that you've learned, are there places where like you find yourself using your spiritual tools that maybe aren't common? Like, would there be any surprising ways that you use your, your skills?
1: I definitely like meditate a lot in the morning and it's not your traditional, like I try to sit for at least 10, 15 minutes and meditate. Sometimes it's guided. If I wake up with a lot of noise in my head, I'll do a guided one. Um, But then in addition to that, everything I do in the morning is like whether I'm walking, whether I'm feeding the dog, like it's very meditative. Like I'm really taking it in the, taking in the moments and staying present to battle any sort of chatter that is left over from yesterday or fears from the future, like, I really try to stay present. So that's one way that I, like, incorporate a lot of the tools I've learned in all of the trainings, which is, like, just staying present and meditative and grounded, right? Um, I also do a lot of psychoeducation with my kids if they're open to it. I don't put my beliefs on them, but if they're curious, I'll talk about it. I'll pull up things online or in a book. If, you know, the other day I was showing my youngest where the pineal gland is, and he was fascinated by that. Um, And all the research around the power of that and what we don't still don't know about the pineal gland, right? So I do a lot of that. Like, you know, I'm just open all the time to talk about this with anybody, because I think it's important we all as humans stay curious and open rather than judgy and rigid. I love that. (laughs)
0: yeah Yeah, me too are there any like um ways you that you use your tools for something unusual or like unique
1: um i definitely so i've always been able to astral project as long as i can remember and i know that when i have like a journey it's I usually feel really connected to my higher self for a while after. So sometimes if I'm like noticing I've been really depressed lately or just off and like my regular like clearing my chakras isn't working like my tools just aren't working um I'll I'll invite a deeper projection episode in. Like I'll purposefully intentionally be like, I'm really need this. And sometimes it works. Sometimes I, those things happen. Recently it happened and I was surprised by a strong visit from a deceased relative who in their life um, were wheelchair bound, but they were dancing with me. And it was just this beautiful, very like healing, I guess dream, but I don't think it was a dream. It was a project. I was, I was conscious and with this other person and they were free from their wheelchair. And the whole thing was like a download that I needed. So when I did officially wake up, it like shifted perspective. It lifted a lot of the heaviness and it made me realize like, I have a lot to be grateful of. And like, there's a few bad things going on, but I need to like, just be grateful that I can dance and I can move and I can do what i just did for healing that i have access to that because i'm open
2: yeah. that's amazing i'm just really curious how do you do you just set the intention that you're going to astral project or do you do anything specific
1: yeah i mean so there used to be a lot of different tricks that worked guaranteed and i need to like just mention this that when i joined this wellness group and got into the psychedelics like Astral projection stopped for me for like a year. Like I couldn't do it anymore. And now that it's, I've been having enough distance, it's it's back. And so the tools are, they're still there. They're just not as dependable as they used to be. So what usually worked for me was um, really like meditating deeply throughout the day as often as I could. So then when I went to bed, it's kind of like falling asleep consciously and noticing like I'm drifting off and setting the strong intention I'm open to astral projecting or lucid dreaming. Like, there are different things, but whatever, you know, that's kind of the umbrella. Like, I'm open to this experience. I'm open to leaving my body and being conscious during it. Um, and just setting that intention right as you're slowly going to sleep and having your body so used to meditating all day is like a really good way to be able to do that. Um, other times it's happened because, like, I hate to put it this way but just it's like really whatever's going on is like really bad like a a shock trauma or just like you know horrible news or sometimes it just happens and i i kind of think it's because i I hate to put it this way but the connection i've made in in my mind in my theory is when you have a a lot of trauma as a little one you leave your body a lot because you need to and then you kind of get used to that way of dealing with things. And so I think um, now that I'm an adult and I've had a lot of training and understanding of different dimensions and spiritual stuff, that that happens when I'm actively traumatized. I start to leave my body, but it becomes more of a conscious astral projection as a result of something really hard going on. I don't know if that makes any sense, but those are the two ways I usually enter. Yeah,
2: yeah, 100%. I think we kind of all dissociate a little bit even even when stuff isn't extremely traumatic Mm -hmm. you know we kind of tend to check out so i think everybody's got to some degree that going on
1: yeah
0: yeah do you have any like specific memories of your abilities and stuff like that or cool stories that you want to share um
1: i have have, i've i've cool stories and i have not so cool stories that i've like learned from as an adult um yeah. Like there's a lot. There's, when I understood what astral projection, well, I think, let me just kind of backpedal. I think the first time I really freaked somebody out in my family of my abilities was my mom, who is the, the most open to all of this. The one who took me to the psychic fairs. But um, there's um, there was a funeral in the family of an aunt, a great aunt to me, like somebody I didn't even really remember. And I couldn't go with my mom to the funeral because I was sick. And so I was homesick and I remember being in and out of sleep. And then when I would open my eyes, I was literally like facing my aunt Minnie was, was her name who was now deceased. I was watching her in the coffin. Like I was seeing the whole scene to the T like what she wore, who was there, what the priest looked like, everything. Like, I could see it very clearly, and it was really weird, because it was almost as if I I was, I could see my bedroom, I could see me laying in the bed, and then I'd look over, and then it was just this, like, other thing that I could just plainly see where my mom was, and what she was taking in. So, when she came home, and I described that very innocently, it, like, really freaked her out. Like, she's like, how did you know what she was wearing? How did you, and then I just knew a lot of things that I shouldn't have known. Um, And then I found out because I just knew and I said it, I was like, well, I mean, it also like this was her bed, too, that I'm laying in and that we and we and my mom never told me that this was somebody else. like there's just so many things. I just knew magically after that experience. So that's, I guess, a cool story, (laughs) even though it involved freaking my mom out big time, um, which she recovered from. And then another time where I kept astral projecting and encountering different entities what looked like angels and i'd float with them but they'd always bring me back to my room almost in this kind of like okay now enough like wake up or go back and i kept leaving like i was like this stubborn little thing that just kept leaving and they kept guiding me back and then eventually the one main being that looked like this beautiful grandmother kind of angel figure turned its head towards me and then all of a sudden was this horrific scary looking thing. And that freaked me out to the point where I didn't astral project for a long time after that. I was really scared of what I was seeing. But then I realized I think that they just were warning me and that was the only way I would listen is eventually just to, like scare the crap out of this kid so they stop going into whatever dimension or whatever you want to label it, that I wasn't supposed to be in. So. I learned a lot, like as an adult, and I've processed that particular experience with a teacher, with Andrew, and just understood better that, like, maybe that entity had it, the my best intentions in mind, and that was the only way that I would learn. because yeah. mm-hmm. I do think there's a lot we don't know out there, and if we play around with things that we're not prepared for or understand, it can be very scary. And I think we do have guides that protect us, and sometimes they have to use things like that to protect
2: us yeah it's like the stories right like when you're a little kid and they tell you stories and they have like lessons but somehow they use I, I don't know why I'm thinking like they use scare t- tactics to <laughs> get yeah. <just kind> of <laughs> the point across and I'm like wow yeah. that's kind of scary
1: <laughs> yeah like the boy who cried wolf right yeah
2: or yeah. even yeah. like in Norway you know right like trolls don't they have like a yeah. lot of stories of trolls and like if you there's like mischievous trolls if you're bad and they scare you.
0: I don't. Know. Yeah, yeah, or if you go out in the woods at night, there is like a troll lady that will come, or she lures man into the woods and stuff like that. Oh my or, god! yeah, it's a lot of different like uh, old fairy tales kind of story. <laughs>
1: wow. <laughs> yeah, and I think one more story would be um there is a creek in the in the backyard of the house I grew up in. And I I don't know if I've told, I, I think I've told both of you this story, maybe not, but there's, um, for a couple of summers, there was this young boy that would visit me. I would play by myself in the woods by my house and by this Creek in particular. And there was this young man who like over time didn't age. And I would just legit talk to him. And he was the one who showed me how to make, um, pottery out of the clay that would form in the side of the creek like all these things like i didn't like just think of on my own like th- there was obviously somebody who was just like hey you should try this and and i would bring home these things and mom was like how did you know to do that how did you know like it was just so like nobody was really keeping a good eye on me because i was very free as a kid which was great um but then all of a sudden i realized by just more talking to my mom about this friend that like by her reaction, I was like, huh, there is something off about this. And when I started to kind of like question, like, is this person really there? Like, are they really like, I realized as, as I age, like, I think I'm talking to a spirit. And that was my first like big, like realization. Like this is real. This isn't just something I'm hearing about at a psychic fair. Like this is happening. It's not scary. Um, And it's still like something that, I mean, at the time, I'm like, is this, like, it's okay to keep questioning it because it's so outside of the norm. But um, I have very solid, like, and I say solid, like in my somatic system, like solid felt sense memories of just like these warm conversations with this young man who like, as I remember him, looked old fashioned. Like he didn't dress like me, but I just like didn't question it when I was younger. But definitely was a visit from something, I think, very connected to that land.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And so cool to hear as well. A little bit on um, to next question. Mm -hmm. What do you think is your next step on your journey? Or do you have anything planned out?
1: I do. I'm doing a few things at once and all of them are loosely connected to Approachable Healer. So there's a healing retreat I ran this past spring that I'm going to do again in June 2024 that combines like alternative healing modalities that are sometimes seen in a clinical setting, but like mostly alternative healing modalities that are more spiritual. So it's just like a retreat that has like kind of a menu of different like Reiki or, you know, um, intuitive coaching or art therapy or dance therapy. So that was a really fun retreat and I wanna do more healing retreats like that. I'd like to eventually teach a course on like how to get in touch with your intuition. I think teaching more and more people about how to do this without second guessing themselves, like empowering them, will honestly help the world (laughs) a little bit. I think when, when you're in touch with your intuitive sense, like you don't feel a need to compare yourself to others as much. You're just like you're a solid like i understand what's good for me because i have a strong connection to my intuition and that's just so healing of a lot of things so more so at least one course on like getting in touch with your intuition i'm gonna try out a workshop called evening with jenny or something like or evening with the approachable healer i'm not sure but like catered, fun, relaxed, like eight to 10 people max. And I just kind of channel and follow whatever the guides want me to do all to honor like healing. And I might like have readings for individuals in the the crowd, but like when you come, it's not the expectation you're going to get a reading, but like you're there to just kind of collectively hear what the words are and maybe they directly mean something to you either way like just kind of an evening of channeling and food and healing conversations i might put like a workshop in there too for like 20 i don't know it's just an idea like a group of some sort where i'm using like all my 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 modalities at the same time i eventually want to get to a place where i'm doing approachable healer more full-time and my private practice less full-time so like it flip-flops Right now, it's the opposite. I'm more part-time approachable healer and full-time clinical practice, but I'd like to to switch that because I feel like this style of healing is, I'm more, I'm more free to do what I, what the guides are guiding me to say and do. I'm not under the restriction of like insurance panels and, or, you know, clinical diagnosis. And like, I need to focus on this. I'm not in threat of being audited by some sort of bureaucratic system. So I'm really passionate about doing more one-on-one sessions, more retreats, more group workshop kind of things. I think that's about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that sounds amazing.
2: I was excited about asking if you have any like book recommendations or podcasts or anything that you like to listen to.
1: I kind of jump around a lot with podcasts, but I definitely, like there's a few mediumship podcasts can't think of them right now. Um, there's one where there's like three friends that are all three mediums and they talk about cases. I'm really into reading a lo- like as much as I can, but audiobooks, like if I'm walking and meditating, I really like to, the a good go-to for me is Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza, I think is how you say his name. Um, I took a lot of mediumship courses under Reverend Stephen Herman. And so his book, Mediumship mastery is really good, and I often go back to that basic psychic development book. I think you guys are both well versed in. I (laughs) I like that one. There's a really good book called um, "You Are Psychic." I don't know if you've ever read that one. I I love that book by Deborah Katz K A T Z. I think. So there's more books than anything, and then the podcast. I just kind of like I intuitively find them. Like I'll just kind of feel my way to one and it's usually what I need to hear. I'm a big fan of the Gaia channel. Although I find some of the presenters problematic, but like, I just kind of find what helps me and what I need from it. But there's a lot of interviews with different people that do similar work that I love to hear, like how they do the work, how they promote themselves and their areas of focus. So I get a lot of inspiration from watching interviews on the Gaia channel.
2: Have you, I I don't know why I'm thinking of this book now, but have you heard of Early? No. Voices of Light. Um, He channels, um, he wrote a book where he's under hypnosis.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah.
2: And like his therapist, like this, she's a trauma, uh, I think she's, no, she's a hypnotherapist. And she like guides him under hypnosis to like channel different higher level beings. So... I think he channeled Jesus and Buddha and St. Germain and like all these people and like masters and, and the purpose of it was just to give us information, people like guidance and information. And it's just a lovely book. I don't know why it sounds like it will be right up your alley. Oh
1: yeah. No, I love stuff like that. That reminds me of a person. This is from like the sixties or seventies, somebody that, an entity that this person channeled called Silver Birch. And there's like a whole series of books on on channeled messages from Silver Birch, who presents as a Native American entity, but like only does that for the comfort of those listening. Like, I think in reality, they they're like even older than that, like they're just whatever is being channeled has been around for a very, very long is very wise. And so. I have several silver birches like messages in in a book that I'll just like randomly flip open and just kind of take that as like what I need to take in that day. Whatever I, whatever chapter or page I open up to, like I'm like okay, and all of it applies. Like I love I love stuff like that, so I will check out Voices of Light. Is that what you think it's? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love stuff like that. I really yeah. believe strongly in it.
2: Yeah, I just got drawn to this book. I don't know what drew me to it, but I don't regret buying it and reading it because it is just like. I'm even like taking notes, like it's so interesting. There's so many cool things in it. Yeah. If like, you need to stop and like write it out, like I don't know. There's I feel like I'm channeling too.
1: <laughs> you well, know, we all have that capability, like it's all in us. Like we underestimate our abilities. And if we just keep staying curious, then the sky's the limit, really, with all this stuff. There's this process I was trained in called Loving Heart Connection through a woman in Ohio who was doing um. EMDR with grieving parents, like people who lost young children or adult children. Um, She had a very specific like trauma, grief, healing angle in her practice and utilizing EMDR. And she started noticing that while doing EMDR work with these grieving parents, they were connecting to their children. And so she created this whole course where you can as a person, get trained into having what's called loving heart connection. They're like two hour sessions with people where you teach them in the moment how to do EMDR, how to relax, and then how to connect with their own loved ones. And I love it because it feels so ethical and aligned with what I'm trying to be as a psychic healer, so to speak, is like, somebody where people come to me and they have a good experience and they're inspired to do their own training and learning from that point on, that they don't feel like they have to keep coming back to me and dependable and spend the money, right? I want to empower people to know that like they can connect to their loved ones on their own, that they don't need to spend $5,000 on a medium to, to get that, like that it is possible. So I really loved her training and I love her approach and it's all under that like umbrella of just empowering people to tap more into their own abilities Um, and you shouldn't have to have more than two or three sessions and until you're able to learn how to do it on your own
2: and that's beautiful right and that's the whole point also i think of being like a a true healer if you want to say or an ethical healer where it's like you're not having people depend on you and thinking you're healing them you're holding space for people to heal themselves Yes. I think that's that's what you're talking about.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. How can people find you or mm-hmm. where can um, they look for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the website's probably the best way to get a hold of me. www.approachablehealer.com all one word all lowercase. Um Yeah, I think that's the easiest, for this specific type of work, that's the easiest way of getting a hold of me. I'm pretty quick to respond to any messages that go to that website. People have also texted me through my work number, which I'm totally fine with, like just to say, hey, do you have a moment to like schedule or can I hear more about it? Or, you know, your email's not working. So that's 773-683-2781. So you can text, you can call at that number too. Um, so yeah, I would say the website, the, uh, my email is Jenny at approachablehealer.com. I think the quickest way though is, is either a text or an email or through the website uh, calling me sometimes can take me a while to get back to people.
2: <laughs> and you're on Instagram too, right?
1: Yes, I am. Okay. As an approachable healer.
0: <laughs> yeah, nice. You want to talk a little bit about what you offer?
1: Yeah. I mean, I try to keep it kind of like a menu where people can just, I don't know, like I have my structure and labels of different things that I offer. I do offer a loving heart connection sessions they're two hours. Um, I do offer like, like energy clearing, you know, 45 minutes to an hour where that's all we do. I do. I'm also trained in compassion inquiry and somatic touch therapies. So I do a lot of trauma healing, where people come in knowing I'm using my intuition as well so that that's a very different thing than a clinical thing so they come in just for some healing work like physical or emotional but my favorite thing to do is called the combo session where it's an hour and a half of people's time and we we start with reading their layers and then we see where the blocks are and then as we're reading the situation together um, and they're warming up to my energy, I'm warming up to theirs, and I'm hearing things from their guides and their deceased loved ones, then it becomes about, like, this is the combo part, it becomes about what they need in the session most. And so then they usually either have, like, clarification questions, like, I you said this about my first layer, I'm more curious about this picture you saw, like, we can go back to things, or if we're there already, they can ask questions and we go into it. Like I see a block here, let's see what it looks like in your life to unblock it and how you would do that. And then through that process, sometimes I hear messages of, you know, direct like advice from beyond of like how you can really do this. And so people leave understanding more clearly, like about their blocks and how to help themselves. And sometimes they come back with more you know focus on that particular block or sometimes that's all they need just to kind of heal on their own but yeah combo sessions my favorite to 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 do with people because it's it's an i think an hour and a half is what we need for this kind of work
0: thank
1: you you.
2: Mm -hmm. all right well thank you so much for your time it was so lovely chatting with you and we maybe we can have you on again I feel like Absolutely. another conversation. So
1: thank you. I would love it. Thank you so much.